did mention, I want to say this, we had a great day of paintball yesterday with a bunch of the guys. Here's a picture of us, uh, for all the guys afterwards, and everybody's smiling. Uh, there wasn't any broken bones or injuries or anything like that. It's in my, uh, the pre-message slides, Dave. So, uh, great opportunity to connect. We've been planning these events, uh, men and women's events, every other month. Um, I know in October, the guys are going to be going to Star Rock again. The ladies are going to be doing something super cool. I'm not really sure what that is yet, but they, Robin always has something awesome planned. And so, just great opportunities for people to have fun and connect. Uh, there definitely was some war wounds. Uh, you can see Co and Ryan here showing off some welts and paint in the hair. But I have to say the best shot, no pun intended, of the entire day was Scott. Um, I don't know who did that, but that was the, this is going to be forever our paintball image. And so it was great. Um, please, as these events come, keep coming, again, come, hang out, have fun, um, make friends, build relationships, be in community. That's why we're doing these things. Uh, we don't want this to just to be a church that we come, sit, leave, because that's not what church is. Church is doing, as we've been talking about this whole last month, life together. Um, so we've been talking about what it means to be a community, what it means to be the church, what it means to do life together. Uh, this morning, we're going to have a message from our lead pastor, Josiah Job, who's going to be sharing this message with all of New Life. Um, I want to let you know, before we, we get into Josiah's message, I want to let you know I'm really excited that next Sunday, we're going to be starting a series on, wait for it, Leviticus. Um, if you've no idea what that word is, it's awesome. Uh, this is an Old Testament book. If you do know what that word is, it's probably the book that as you were reading through the Bible, this is where you stopped. Um, I have been part of New Life for 14 years, and I've always been part of the preaching team, those who kind of organize the messages and what series we're going to do and things like that. And I have always pushed for Leviticus. Every time we meet, I push for Leviticus if you've been around for New Life, you know we've never done Leviticus, and I'm doing it now. And so I am super pumped about this. I am super excited because to me, this is the most misunderstood book in the Old Testament. I think it is a powerful book that tells us what it means to be the people of God. How does it mean? What does it mean to live holy as he is holy? And in a world today where it's very confusing sometimes as far as what the church is supposed to be like, we need to be reminded of what it means to be God's people. And so that's why I'm super pumped about going through this book, is this idea that, like that subtitle says, Leviticus gives us rhythms of holy living. How within the week in and week out of our daily lives, what does it mean to be the people of God? How do we live faithful as his people? I feel like that's what this book really points us to. And I'm super pumped to finally be able to do this. Um, and so we're going to be starting that next uh, Sunday. That's going to take us into October. And so just know that's what's coming. Um, but for today, we're really excited that our lead pastor, Pastor Josiah, is going to be able to uh, give us this final message in the Life Together series. Uh, we're going to listen to him. And then when his message is over, we're going to uh, do communion together. And so let me pray. And then we'll get into Josiah's message. God, we thank you so much for our church. Thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and how you're drawing us together. God, I, it is, it's good to walk into this building, not because of the walls, but to see these people, uh, to see the faces that make up this church family. God, I'm so grateful to be a part of this. I'm so grateful to be connected with these individuals. I pray that you would draw us to you, that you would draw us closer to one another because of our relationships with you. I pray that you would help us to know more and more of what it means to do life together as your children. 
I pray that you would open our hearts to hear from what you have to say as you speak through Pastor Josiah. Encourage us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello, New Life. Wow, it is so good to be with you here today. My name is Pastor Josiah, and I am the lead pastor of New Life Community Church. You know, it has been so great to go through the last few weeks together, this series called Life Together. Hasn't it been good to listen to a few other pastors from New Life swing by your location and preach on the importance of community together. Hey, can we give it up for those pastors all across New Life? They did such a fantastic job bringing the word. I know that I personally was blessed by being able to go to a few of the New Life locations over the last two weeks. And I walked away thinking, wow, we are truly part of something special and unique. I was so encouraged. Well, many of you know this, but New Life is 27 different locations around Chicagoland area. And we have nine international churches and we have New Life services in four different languages. Yeah, four languages. English, Spanish, Mandarin, and shout out to our Kachi, Kachi, say it with me, Kachi service. So God is doing some amazing things in this time, and I really believe that I have a word for you this morning that has a, I believe, a prophetic essence about it, and we want to talk about getting ready. You know, in life, we're not always ready for everything that comes at us. My wife and I were a few days away from having our son about a year and a half ago, little baby boy named Saint. And my wife kept telling me, Josiah, get your bag ready. Get your bag ready. Get your bag ready. And I said, yeah, I'll get my hospital bag ready. I'll get it ready later. You know, when I have more time, babe, I just walked in later. I'll get... And so I kept pushing it and pushing it. Well, the day finally came. My wife's feeling the pain. She says, Josiah, it's finally time to go. I'm excited. Um, I can't wait. I mean, we've been waiting for this moment for months. And she says, grab your bag. Let's get ready to go. And it dawns on me. It finally hits me that my bag is not ready at all. And so I pull my bag out. My wife sees it and she gives me the eyes. I said, get just, just a minute. And I run it around the house, filling my bag, thinking, what do I need? How long am I going to be there? Throwing all of this stuff in the bag, rushing. My wife is, is giving me, you guys know, she's giving me the eyes like, hey, I told you already. I said, I know, I know I'm getting things ready. And I'll tell you what, in that moment, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. She had instructed me. She had told me, she had warned me, Josiah, be prepared. And even though I had all of that information, all of that warning, I was not ready when the moment arrived. I believe that we're stepping into a moment as a church that is going to be the most important moment and the most important season that we've ever entered into as a church. New Life is 36 years old this year. And we'll be uh, 36, 37. We'll be 40 years old as a church in 2026. So excited to have a big celebration. But I really have a sense that God has given us words, that God has given us information, 
that God has given us deposits that he's telling us as a church, we need to get ready for the next season that is about to come, that this is going to be a season like no other, but we have an opportunity, a chance, a warning, an instruction for us to get prepared as a church and for us to get personally prepared right now while we still have time. I want to bring you to a passage in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus is going to be talking to his disciples about getting ready. Now, in this passage, Jesus is referring to his second coming, and he's using, he's telling his disciples to be prepared. And I want to take the principles from this passage, the framework of readiness here, and I want to apply it not only to Jesus' second coming, but also to our specific context of what God is going to do in the next season and how we need to get ready now. So I want to talk about three things from Luke chapter 12 about getting ready. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The first area that we need to get ready is we need to get ready by living with urgency. Listen to what Jesus has to say in Luke chapter 12, verse 35. He says, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Verse 39, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also, here it is, Jesus is saying to us, disciples, you and me also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus, in this passage, as he's teaching the disciples and crowds, gives us four different pictures of somebody or something that has a sense of readiness. He gives us a first picture of somebody that is dressed ready, and this would have been in their sense, you know, they weren't wearing jeans and jackets. They were wearing tunics or robes. And so for somebody to be dressed ready uh, in their day, they would raise up the robe above their knees. They would tie it around their waist like we do a sweater so that if they had to run or they had to get to work or they had to go fight in war, that their knees would not prohibit them from being ready to do the activity that was before them. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's picture one. Picture two, Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be awake like somebody with a lamp. You, you don't shut the lights off when you're waiting for somebody to come home. No, no, you keep the lights on. You say, hey, I'm going to wait up. I'm not going to fall asleep. I got my lamp ready. That's picture two. The third one that Jesus gives us, the third picture of readiness, is a picture of a servant that is waiting on their master's return from a wedding. Now, our weddings, you know, we have a start date and a start time, start date, and generally we know it will be a few hours. Well, in ancient Israel, sometimes their weddings would last up to seven days long. Woo, come on, that's a long celebration wedding right there. So these servants had no idea when their master was going to return. 
They just had to be prepared. Hey, listen, get ready. Keep the lamp on. Stay dressed because the master can come. And when he knocks, we want to be ready to open that door. And the, the fourth and final picture he gives us is a picture of an owner that knows when a thief is going to come to their house. And because he knows when the thief is going to come, he's prepared to be able to keep that thief from breaking in. All four of these pictures are pictures of readiness that Jesus wants for us in our life. Now, what I found is sometimes we can try to push that readiness responsibility onto other people and not accept what God is calling us to do. Sometimes we think, oh, that's a word for that person or God's probably calling that great person to get ready or maybe he's telling them they got to, you know, get ready in an area. But no, this is an area specifically for us. Listen to what Peter has to say. He has a question that's similar to, you know, a lot of people, what they have to ask. This is what Peter asks after hearing this parable, these four pictures. He says, Lord, are you telling this parable to us, his disciples, or is this to everyone? And Jesus answered, who then is faithful and what, and who is then is the faithful and wise manager. What Peter is saying is, hey, Jesus, are, are you calling me to get ready? Or is this, is this for everyone else to get ready? Is this word specifically for me and my life? Or is this just kind of a generalized word for everybody? And Jesus is going to say, hey, this is a word for, for anyone that's a follower of mine. Specifically, I'm calling you to get ready. But I'm also calling other people to get ready to respond to God as well. And so what we need to remember here is that this is not just some word that's, you know, that's just for your neighbor, but I want you to receive this personally to say, are you right now ready for the return of Jesus? Are, are you right now ready to, for a season of harvest to come upon our church? Are you right now ready for God to use you to a new degree like he's never used you before? Or are you sitting on the sidelines saying, well, maybe later, maybe some other time, maybe in the future? Because Jesus points us to two different servants in the next verses and says there's one servant that's faithful and wise. You know, they're, 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 they're a follower of Jesus that's, that's doing what they should be doing. They're, they're ready for whatever God brings next because they're living their life faithfully and wise as a steward of their time and resources. But he says there's a, another type of thinking that creeps into our life that keeps us from being urgent, from, from living in a ready state. Here's what he says it is in verse 45. Here's the second servant. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming and then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. Jesus is saying there's, there's disciples, there's followers, there's people that will respond and live with a sense that life is short and we need to live with urgency and they're going to live faithful and wise with what they have, realizing that life's slipping out of our hands. But he said, there's another group of people over here that are going to live like they, they just have more time. And, and there's this sense like, like the servant is saying, I, I got a long time before Jesus comes back. I got a lot of time with my life. 
I want to enjoy my 20s right now, do what I want to do, experience life. I'm going to follow Jesus when it's more convenient for me. Maybe you're going to say, I'm, I'm building my business and I'm really, I'm really building this thing. And that's great. That's a good thing. But, but, but sometimes we're saying, in the future, I'm going to really give my heart to God. In the future, I'm really going to use my giftings. Not, not now, but later. Jesus says, if this is the way that you're living your life, then, then you're not living ready. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We're not promised tomorrow. And as a church, we have been gifted. We have been blessed. We have been entrusted with so much. And we have so many people that love Jesus and are following him and using their giftings. And sometimes we can kind of sit on the sidelines when God is calling us, not later, but God is saying, now get ready. Now use your gifts. Now use your resources. I've wired you and brought you into my church to expand the kingdom. Don't wait for later because you may not have later. Live with an urgency now. And this is one of the things we have to guard ourselves from living in America is that when we think that there's a long time coming, what he says this servant finds themselves living and doing is they find themselves living with no sense of urgency, but they're living for themselves and they're living for pleasure. It, pleasure is not a bad thing, but when we live for that at the expense of the mission of God, it's a bad thing. This is what he says about this servant. They treat other people wrong. They get drunk, they're eating. They're just, they're just kind of focused on what, what's good for me? What's good for my kingdom? And Jesus is saying, no, hey, hey, listen, that was the old way, but the new way that I've called you, I want to use you. I want to empower you. You have giftings and response. Don't wait because you may not have all of that time that you think that you have. In 2019, I was on a trip and I felt, like the Lord gave me a picture, a picture of we as a church, we needed to get ready. And in this picture, God brought me into the Chicago theater. The first scene, I was standing in the Chicago theater, all of these red chairs, these big red curtains that were closed, very ornate, beautiful theater that I was in. And as I was there, that was the first scene. And the room was basically empty. Just a few people walking around in the room trying to find their seat. And then I felt like God catapulted me on the stage, threw my head behind the curtain, and allowed me to kind of look behind the curtain that was closed to see what was happening. And as I looked behind that curtain, I remember seeing all of the, in this vision, seeing all of these people moving, all of these people, these stagehands, really hustling behind the stage, moving so quickly, really getting things done. And there was a sense deep in my spirit, I knew what it meant. God was saying to me in a profound way, Josiah, the story of new life until this point has been amazing. I have done some amazing things through this church called New Life. I have, I have done some amazing things through you guys, but that has just been act one. That has been the buildup for what I'm about. I have been working behind the scenes and I'm getting ready to open the curtains for a show that hasn't been done in generations. Hey, hey, the music hasn't started and the seats aren't filled yet, but I am doing things and you need to make sure that you're ready, that you're 
in a chair and ready so that when I open the show up, you are in the room ready to receive and be a part of what I'm doing in this city, in this nation, in this world, or you will miss it. I believe that God is doing something and he's preparing our church, telling us that we need to get ready. The second thing, second way that we get ready is we get ready by discerning the seasons. Jump to verse 54 with me. Jesus is speaking to the crowd and he says this, when you see a cloud rising in the West, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Jesus is speaking to the crowd here, and he's teaching us something very important and profound. Jesus is speaking to this crowd and saying the same thing that's said in Ecclesiastes 3.1. He's saying there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Jesus looks at this crowd and says, hey, listen, you, you look up at the clouds and you can say, oh, it's, it's going to rain later or it's going to rain tomorrow. He says, you, you come outside and you, you feel a, a hot wind blowing in from the desert and say, oh, it's going to be a hot week this week. And Jesus is saying, so, so you, you, you can determine and discern what's going on with the weather, but you can't discern what's going on with the season. Come on. You can determine what's going on in the physical realm. You know what's happening in the stock market. You know what's happening with the mortgages and the houses, but you can't determine the spiritual season that God has us in as his church. And that's why he calls these people, many that were claiming to be religious or, were, or, or had a basic understanding of what was happening in the physical, he's saying, you guys are hypocrites because I have showed you more signs and more prophetic words than all of the clouds can show you rain, than all of the hot air can show you hot temperature. He's saying, I've healed people and I've, 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 I've helped the blind see and I've spoken words and you've seen me in different uh, powerful states. So he's saying, you've seen all of this and yet you still cannot tell the moment that you're in. We are in an important season as the church. I believe that the season that we're coming out of is a season of testing, is a season of pruning. I think we've come out of this last few years of a lot of division, a lot of uh, 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 strife in our culture, in our context, and, and a lot, there's been a lot of shaking, a season of a lot of shaking that we've come out of. But I believe we've entered into a new season, and this is important. We, we need to discern. Lick your finger and put it up to the, to the, the feel the wind. Look at the clouds. See what God is doing in the spiritual realm and discern what the season we are in right now spiritually as his church is. I'll tell you what, I, I have talked with many people and I've looked at some of the signs and some of the words and I'll share some of those, but 
I believe that the season that we're in right now is a season of rebuilding or building the foundation for the future. I believe we're in that groundwork season. The soil has been moved by the storm of COVID and all that we went through in those last few years. There have been things that were tossed. The soil has been beaten by the wind and the water and the rain. But now that soil is starting to, starting to be a little bit more ready, a little bit more harvest prepared. And I believe that as farmers, God is calling us into the season to get that soil ready, to prepare that soil, to start planting seeds so that as a church, the next season that we step into can be a season of powerful harvest and life transformation. You say, well, why do you think this, pastor? Well, just as Jesus was saying, hey, there's things you can look at. There's prophecies that speak about me and there's signs that, speak, that I've done that show, uh, show who I am and, and the season that we're in. I want to share a prophetic word and I won't share all of it because it's quite a few paragraphs, but let me just share a few key highlights that I feel like from this prophetic word that was given to us in 2011 from a kind of spiritual grandparent of the church. And as he had this vision, he saw this picture as he was flying into Chicago of an aerial view of Chicagoland area. And he said, when he looked over at the city, a Chicagoland area, aerial view, like you're flying in to Midway or O'Hare Airport, he said he saw the, the whole city in darkness, like all the power was out. And he said he saw these lights that were shining in the middle of this darkness and had a clear sense that those were churches, churches, lights, lighthouses in the middle of darkness. And this man said, I, as I continued to discern this, this vision that I this had and this word that I have for new life, he said, I believe that new life had a special role to play in this season, but in the season to come. He acknowledged that this darkness, this deep distress, this economic and social turmoil that was happening was getting worse in the moment, was getting more challenging in the moment, but that at the root cause of it was a spiritual darkness. And he says this word specifically, he says to new life, this past season that you've been going into uh, has been a time of training for reigning is what he says. Training for raining, for a season which is just about to open. And in this vision, he said he heard this. He said, then I heard a clear voice. This is the time of harvest, a greater time of my kingdom's advance than for generations. And we re-pulled up this word in the last few years and said, is it possible that this word that was given in 2011 is speaking about the season that we're in and the season that we're going into? So we, we, you know, the biggest harvest in generations, we're saying, is this possible that this word that was given 10 plus years ago was really now speaking to this moment and the turmoil and the difficulty of what we've come out of and what we're going into? Here's one of the things that really struck us as a leadership and a church as, it's, as this vision said specific things that we've never had happen before in our church history. It says, this is quote, in my understanding, these locations, speaking about our churches, will merge being places of worship with being compassion centers, storehouses, places where physical, social, and spiritual needs are met, some would be distribution centers for, listen to this, for the supply of food, 
clothing and overnight shelter. Says, I saw them open day and night in this dimension, love for God and love for the neighborhood would find synergy. You know what? In New Life's 36 year history, we've had some food operations, but we've never had it like in 2020. In 2020, New Life and New Life Centers, we started feeding millions of people across Chicagoland area, and food is now a huge part of the ministry that we do. We've had some clothing things, but never before have we had in the last 10 months, in our first time in 36-year history, 10 months ago, when the migrants started to come into Chicagoland area, we started clothing them, feeding them, and never before happened, I don't know if you know this, we started actually housing migrants in our church buildings. Never before had this happened. 36 years of good ministry, but never before had that happened. And now that this has taken place, I'm I'm licking my finger and putting it up to the wind of the Spirit of God, saying, God, God, is this word, is this word that's preparing your church for a harvest, are we getting ready right now to step into a move of your Spirit that that we can't prompt or we can't open that curtain, but you're going to do it and move across Chicagoland and move across this nation like never before. Because if that's what you're going to do, we want to be ready. Oh, we want to be ready. We we don't want to just say that we're right. Who cares about being right? We want to be ready for that. A once in a lifetime harvest where God would open the door. And we've seen signs as well. So that's the prophetic word, but we've seen signs You know, coming out of the pandemic, people are more open to God than ever before. 44% of respondents who responded to a recent survey said they're more open to God than they were before the pandemic. 44% of people that were asked, people were hurting and people are now open. Everyone that I talked to talks about this. uh, At this point in America, we're due for a revival. They come about every 50 years. And I I see things that are moving. I see things that are happening. I see the, the, the next generation starting to open up and have a hunger for God like they've never had before. And we see it in the studies. We see it in the stories. We see it in our baptisms that God is drawing the next generation to himself. And what I'm asking myself is, God, we can't, we, we can't predict the future, but we know, God, that your pattern, your pattern is that you let people know when you're going to move. You start sending signs like you did with Jesus. You work signs and miraculous signs. You start sending prophetic words. You start sending people like John the Baptist so that people are prepared for the moment when Jesus steps into humanity to save the world. And what we're asking is, God, can we lick our finger, can feel the wind, can, 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 we, can we look around at what you're doing and not, be, not ignore it, but say, God, are you preparing us right now for something that's before? Because God, we want to be ready, so we want to discern because we don't want to miss it. There was a woman, I'll finish with this sign, there was a woman who came to our church just a few weeks ago. And one of the young guys brought her up, older lady, who came up, Muslim woman. She introduced herself and said, hey, you know, my name is, is this, and, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a Muslim. I said, oh, it's great to meet you. It's so great to have you here. And she said, I'm here because I had a dream. I said, you had a dream? 
I, I had a dream where my father came up to me and he touched my head. And then he told me, go to the Christian church. I said, you had a dream where your dad told you to, as a Muslim woman, go to the Christian church? He said, yeah. And I was so moved by this dream. It was so powerful and clear that I showed up here at this Christian church. She said, I've lived in this community for 20 years, but I had a dream that was so clear and vivid to me that I said, I need to go to the Christian church immediately. So, so I immediately start telling her about Jesus. And I say, hey, you know, I don't believe that dream is by chance or coincidence. I believe that Jesus is calling you to himself. And there were some people I had, there were some people after her. So I said, hey, one of the elders, can you talk with her? So we, we, I handed her off to the elders. They started talking with her. They connect her with another couple at the church. Well, the guy that brought her up then said, oh, she needs food. He ran and got her groceries. He didn't wait. He said, hey, I'm going to live with urgency. Ran and got her groceries, brought the groceries back to the church. The other couple drove her home to her house, prayed with her on her doorstep. And I said, wow, wow, God is doing something unique in this season. And let me tell you this. She has been here every single week. And the last time I saw her, she says, I, as a Muslim woman, she says, I love being here and being amongst these people. Can we give it up for what God is doing? He, he, he is drawing people to himself. And sometimes he's saying, I'm not going to wait for someone to share the gospel. I'm just going to give her a dream as a Muslim woman that's going to draw her to a Christian church because I love this woman and died for her on the cross. Praise Jesus. He is good. He is so, so good. He is not willing that any should perish. And the third and last point here is that we need to get ready by getting things Right. Jesus says in verse 57, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You know, for us to get ready as a church, I believe that we all need to get ready personally as we represent the church. And getting things right, Jesus says here, is about examining our life. That's what he's saying in verse 57. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Jesus is specifically talking about our life and the way that we live. For Christians, he's saying the holiness that we, uh, that we live in and the way we try to honor God by living righteously, righteously, not perfectly, but righteously. We want to live right for him. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, make sure that you examine your life. Examine your life. Are there areas that you and I as Christians have gotten entangled, to use the language of Hebrews, entangled in sinful ways? entangled in things that we used to be free from, trapped or, or even preoccupied or distracted with things that are, that, are, that, are, that are good, but are maybe not the most important things that God's called us to. He's saying, hey, we need to examine our life. If we're going to be ready, don't just take life as it is. Discern your life. Examine your life. And he tells us that this needs to happen with urgency. 
The picture that he gives is he gives a picture of uh, two people who are walking on their way to court. And what Jesus is saying is you have a window there to get it right with this person that's suing you or is bringing you to court. And if you can get it right with that person before you're in the courtroom, because when you're in the courtroom and you're before the judge, it's out of your hands. It won't be taken away. He says, you'll pay every last penny. What's he talking about there? He's talking about eternity. He's saying, you have a short time here on earth to get things right with God. And we can only get those things right by putting our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, that we can't live a moral life that's good enough to make it into heaven, but we trust in what Jesus has done on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we put our faith in him, our sins are washed away and we become children of God. And the Holy Spirit lives in us, helping us live an empowered, spirit-empowered life where we live a different life, we live a new life. And what Jesus is saying here is, you have just a moment because when you stand before the throne room of God, it's gonna be too late. If you don't know Jesus, it will be too late and there will be a punishment. You will be responsible for every single sin you have ever committed if you don't get right before, with God before you die. And Jesus, we're using this principle to bring it to our context of as we're getting ready for Jesus to come, as we're getting ready for God to use us in a greater way, as we're getting ready for what we believe will be a once in a lifetime harvest that we as a church will get to be a part of, that God will open up and do. My question is, are there things in your life that you need to get right with God before whatever's next happens. Uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, is, uh, is there a sense even today that as the Spirit speaks that he's drawing you to himself and you realize life is short. I, I may not be able to ha do all what I want to do and then I, I may die before I think I'm going to die. I need to make sure that I'm right with God today. I need to weigh it this week because I may not have next week. Because once that window's closed, it's gone. And I believe in terms of this next season that we have a window for us as the church to get prepared and ready for what God is going to do. Uh, let me ask you a couple areas of your life and see if you're ready. Are, are you ready to share the gospel with somebody that says, hey, I'm, I'm searching, I'm lost, I'm hopeless. Would you feel comfortable and ready? to share the gospel with that person that doesn't know Jesus? Are you ready? Have you been baptized? Have you been pushing off that initiation step of Christianity? Or, or have you been baptized? Like, are you ready to take that step, that first step of obedience that he calls for followers of his? Are you ready that if God brings this season of all of these people that are hungry to know Jesus, are you ready as a seasoned believer or a new believer to mentor and disciple somebody, maybe even for the first time, or maybe you've done it and you're sitting on the sidelines saying there's other people that can do it. Are you ready to jump back in and say, no, I'm not going to live like I have tomorrow, but I'm going to live with urgency. Are you ready to serve and use your giftings? I mean, are you, are you using that? Are you, are you doing all that you can right now with what God's entrusted you with? Are you ready? Are you ready 
with your prayer and your study of the world? Do you know the truth in a way where when you go through the storm, you can stand on it? If a culture's turned against you, you can withhold it because you know the truth of the word of God and you stand on his promises. Are you ready with your understanding of scripture? What does your prayer life look like? Are you ready to start really praying like never before? And as we bring it back to this point, are you ready? Is there something you need to do? In your life, for you to be ready, there's things you need to leave behind to let go of. Some old friendships you need to say, I'm, I, I'm, I'm done with those because I need to be ready. Some old things you've let back, you say, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving those behind because I need to be ready. You never know when your chance is with somebody to share the truth. There was a young kid here that came and he came up with his dad and he was in Little Village and he was coming home from school one day and he got a gun pointed at him and his girlfriend on the way back from school. And his dad brought him up to pray with me after service and said, hey, I'm a believer. My son, he's not a follower yet, but you know, he's really scared since he just really had this gun pointed at him for no reason. He's not in gangs. This horrible thing. He's shooken up by it. And, 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 and it, he, he wants prayer because he's really struggling with anxiety. He needs some peace. And I looked at this young man, this teenager, and I said, I'm absolutely going to pray for you. I'm so sorry that you went through that. But I said, before we pray, do you know Jesus? He said, no, I shared the gospel with him. I said, do you want to make that decision to have Jesus be your Lord and your Savior? That's the ultimate peace. That's the ultimate protection. And he said, I'm not ready yet. So we prayed a prayer asking for peace in his life and for protection. And again, after we finished, I felt clearly the spirit of God prompts me, ask him again. And so I said, hey, I don't want to pressure you. I know you said no, but I really feel again like I need to ask you. I had the sense of like urgency, like do, do you do you share, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You can do it right now. He'll wash you of your sins. And he said, no, you're giving me a lot to think about, but but I don't think I'm ready. A few weeks later, this Easter came up, final service. I, I, I preach the gospel, invite people forward. Several people come forward. Well, who is the last person that I see all the way to the left of the altar who came up to respond to the gospel? Who is it? It's that young boy that I met that had his life shaken up because the gun was pointed at him. He started to think about life. He started to think about the shortness of life. It started to make him think, what happens after death? Well, I may not have as much time. There may be something that happens and my story gets ended quicker than I think. And he right there and right then, God was working through his life and drew him to himself. And now he's a follower of Jesus. You know, God is working in people's lives like that all over our city. And I want to just urge you and challenge you to reflect on these three areas. Getting ready by living with urgency, getting ready by discerning the season, and getting ready by getting things right. Hey, as we close our service, we're going to end with a special moment. All together across the locations, we're going to take communion at the same time. And so at this time, I want to invite your location pastor, wherever they are in the room, I'm going to invite them up. So they're going to lead you in communion. But before we do that, I just want to pray for you and pray for our church that we would be ready. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we are a church that is on mission together, that you have built us and placed us all over Chicagoland area and internationally. 
Lord, we believe that Chicago and Chicagoland area has a special, unique role to play in your big picture mission, your big picture breakthrough that's soon to come. But we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would not just be aware or discern the season, God, but that would just be a starting point for us to prepare and get ready ourselves. Mobilize your church, Jesus. Get us on our feet, God. Get us prepared. Let us uh, uh, tie our tunics symbolically so that we can run the race that's before us. God, if there's anything in our life that we need to let go that's entangling us, that's holding us back, God, let this be a defining moment in our church, God, where you would help us leave old things behind so that we can activate as a body and say, Jesus, I'm ready to be used by you and for your kingdom. We don't want to miss the moment and the season that we're in. So Jesus, prepare us as a church. Give us urgency. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. It's been good to be with you. Let's take communion. Our team is going to.